Hi everyone, welcome to the last episode of this first season of the All About Pete podcast. More about what's in store in following seasons after this episode's interview. On today's episode I talk to Kokai. She lives in the Philippines. On Twitter you can find her tweeting about Pete, but also about anime, food and plants. She has been such a positive part of Team Pete and I was very curious to hear more about politics in the Philippines. I just needed to have her on. And luckily, she said yes. The interview was last weekend and I'm still thinking about how great it was to be able to have such a profound conversation. It was really, really great. We talked about the structure of the Philippine government, about campaigning in the Philippines and the influence of the current political situation in the US on the rest of the world. I'm confident you will love it as much as I did, so here we go. So hello everyone, welcome to the new All About Pete podcast and I am very happy to have uh, my last interview of this season um, with uh, a guest from the Philippines and I'm hoping uh, like if I pronounce Philippines and uh, correctly and I have a lot of, lots of questions about pronunciation but without further ado um, I would like uh, for Kokai to um, uh, introduce herself and Kokai I hope I pronounced your name all right too. Yes actually <laughs> I'm quite surprised you got it in one go <laughs> yeah Kokai yes yes and yeah. Your, your pronunciation of the Philippines is also correct. So the Philippines, okay. yes. Yes. Tell me a bit so, more about, if, if you want, about uh, who you are and um, maybe where you live, study, work, your interests, stuff like that. Okay, so um, hello everyone. My name is Kokai, that's K-O-K-A-Y. Uh, and I live and work in Makati. So it's the central business district in the Philippines. Um, I am primarily a video producer, but I also work as communications director for social media during political elections. So I've worked for local and national campaigns here in the Philippines, and I've been active for the last two election cycles. So that's me. I like... Uh, we're five minutes in and my mind is like already blown because oh. <laughs> are in contact for quite a while now, but I did not know this. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You, well, unlike in the unlike in the US where the political uh, operatives are really, uh, you know, that is their primary profession here in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. So there's there isn't really a professional someone who is formally a political operative, unlike in the U.S. So most people here will be social media, marketing, and then they go to political elections. But that's not primarily their uh, discipline. So you. Okay, okay, um, I'm sure we're going to get back to that. Um, uh, you know that I'm going to ask you some things about uh, politics and government in the Philippines. And I'm guessing with what you just said that you know a little bit about that. Um, uh, so the president in the Philippines is not just the head of government, but also head of state. And for everyone who's listening for the Netherlands, that's, uh, that's different. Like um, the head of our government is our prime minister. Rutte and our head of state is our king. 
Um, so uh, do you think um, that those two things should be separate or not and why? Mm -hmm. um, well, I'm not sure how to answer that question because I'm not sure. I think in, in different countries, there are different forms of governments that will work. And, and yeah. in some other uh, countries, you know, uh, the parliamentary uh, system will work and well, in other countries, it wouldn't. So. Well, yes, um, the president in the Philippines is both the head of government and the head of state. So um, it's pretty centralized, unlike in the U.S. where uh, it's federal. But there are also murmurings and some uh, people in government who are actually pushing uh, the Philippines uh, into a more federal form of government. So I'm not actually mm -hmm. sure which is more which will be more effective if the head of government and the head of state are two different people. But um, so there, I, I'm not sure actually if, if that let, would be effective. Let me, let me rephrase, is it effective right now? I don't think it's effective right now because I, I, I've seen the ramifications of the centralized government. So the central government of the Philippines is located in Metro Manila. So that's uh, the capital city. And most mm -hmm. of the resources, mo most of the businesses and most of the large universities are all here in Metro Manila. So Makati is also part of Metro Manila, actually. And from where I came from, I, I came from the province. So I came from Batangas. Um, it's mm -hmm. in the southern. So it's it's in the north of the Philippines, but the southern north of the Philippines. And if you see my hometown, it's it's like what Pete was saying uh, during his uh, speeches that um, you grow up and you don't realize that there's this subconscious uh, message to you that the only way that you will be successful is you, if you go to the big cities. So most of the resources were um, uh, allocated to the bigger cities and the smaller towns uh, doesn't uh, have a chance to, you know, um, develop because there are no resources that were given to them. So I think um, there are merits to the federal uh, form of government and I think it is worth um, it's worth uh, looking into so yeah that, I, that's really interesting like uh, um, I, I also wonder if um, who is your uh, uh, president right now and what do you think of him or her is it a her or a him no it's a him okay so yeah. the president of the Philippines also known as the Trump of Asia so oh that's yes, that's so you can imagine how it is. So it's uh, President Rodrigo Duterte. He was um, elected back in 2016, um, and uh, his term will end by 2022. So that's two years from now. So he's in his uh, fourth year, and things are not going well. Can you like say one or two things that you that that really aren't going well? Um, well, when people say that he is the Trump, the Trump of Asia, it's like um, people are saying that he's unhinged, that he will say absurd things, and um, how would you describe that? He acts like a strong man mm -hmm. in a way that. Um, he's like a dictator or a tyrant, so something like that. And uh, at first, there was a charm in that because people were, uh, you know, 
uh, feeling refreshed that there's someone who is very frank in the way he speaks. But uh, as it turns out, um, rhetoric and the way you speak are not synonymous to your ability to be a good uh, governor of a country. Yeah. So there's a disconnect in that, that people were looking for, back in 2016, people were looking for someone who will uh, be, uh, someone who will be competent, you know, and who will, mm -hmm. uh, you, who will have the political uh, will to change things. So that's primarily the theme of his campaign back in 2016. But after four years of uh, many, uh, scandals in the administration, corruption charges, and then there are some, you know, um, apparent mismanagement of government resources. And right now we are in the pandemic and uh, his administration hasn't uh, offered a, a good plan to take us out of this crisis. So there's there's a disconnect between the, his rhetoric and the way he has governed the Philippines. Yeah, yeah, I understand. And um, it kind of brings me to my next question because uh, the Philippines are what I research, a presidential representative democrat, dem democratic republic. And I wonder if that's a correct description. Um, and an example mm -hmm. is that the US, it's calls itself a democracy, but at the moment there's a lot to be said that it, it, it is not, if it is a democracy, it's not func functioning correctly. So do you think one of those words, presidential, representative, dem democratic or republic is, um, is not correct? Or is this, uh, the setup is, uh, you, you, would you say, yes, we are a re presidential representative demo democratic republic? Um, I can fairly say that we are, that's correct. That's a correct description. Presidential Representative Democratic Republic. So uh, unlike in the U.S. where they have this uh, this very weird thing that I just recently uh, known, that they have this electoral college, which uh, mm. is not really, what? how do you call that? Um, direct democracy. It's not yeah. a direct democracy in the U.S. But here in the Philippines, um, Everybody um, elects their president, elects their uh, governor or their mayors or their uh, representatives. So it's more of the popular vote here in the Philippines. And uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, would you say that um, uh, uh, that the uh, the government uh, is uh, representative of the people right now? Mm. Well, I think so, yes, because, um, but there's also the the factor of, you know, election fraud. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's fairly common to uh, developing countries like the Philippines. Unlike in the U.S., their election system is really an institution. But here in the Philippines, uh, we can fa fairly say that uh, election fraud and election, um, you know, anything that is remotely... No, I mean that elections here in the Philippines are really, you know, if you have the money, you can win elections. Mm -hmm. So yeah. unlike in the in the U.S., that the elections are really guarded and uh, institutionalized here in the Philippines, despite people 
you know, the turnout of votes here are 95%. So 95, almost 95% of people here in the Philippines actually vote every four wow. or six years. Yeah. So it's a big turnout, but uh, it's a different thing when it comes to counting. So there mm. are a lot of shenanigans going on there. So. Well, in the U.S., there's a lot of shenanigans going on right now too with the, <laughs> with the vote in, in the post office. So, uh, but it, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Do you think that the the nine is the ninety five percent? What is that be, because of uh, uh, people also getting money for their vote, or are people genuinely interested in voting? Um, I think it's both. Some people get mm-hmm. money out of voting, but there are there is also uh, a larger, um, you know, uh, Filipinos are very excited about uh, voting for some reason, which um, mm-hmm. I I don't know if I'm the right person to to give my opinion about that. But um, ever since I was uh, a little girl, or ever since I started voting. Um, it's a family tradition. It's uh, it's your whole your whole uh, village goes to the nearest um, public school and vote, and it's like it's it's a given thing. It's not something that we ask, "Are you going to vote?" No, it's automatic. You are going to do this, and um, I think it also it it also helps that uh, elections here in the Philippines is a national holiday. So that's that's the that's the weird thing about. Uh, the U.S. that I just recently found out that elections are is not a national holiday. So that's that's uh, that's mind blowing to me. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's well, it's mind blowing to me that the 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 way that that you guys handle the the voting because that would be amazing in the Netherlands too if if we had mm-hmm. that kind of turnout of people that passionate to go voting, but. Um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, okay. How, yeah. So in the Netherlands, is it a national holiday as well? Yeah, uh, that's what I wanted to say, actually. And mm-hmm. no, it's not, but mm-hmm. um, it's made easier. Like, um, you can uh, pretty much vote where you want. Um, mm-hmm. You have this, this uh, you get your ballot and there's this place that you can go to, which is written on the ballot, I believe, mm-hmm. um, which is very close to your home, like one street or something. But if mm-hmm. you want to vote somewhere else, you can. And voting is from, like very early till very late. And, and mm-hmm. there are also uh, voting places at uh, train stations and stuff like that. So you can pretty much you you can. If, if you can walk, you can vote. And if you can't walk, you can say to someone else that they can vote for you. So mm, so somebody yeah. else can vote for you. Yeah. That's possible? Yeah. It's, um, it's you give a mandate and uh-huh. um, uh, th- that's an extra uh, ballot uh-huh. that you get. And, and you can write uh-huh. and give your uh, uh, signature. And yeah, someone else mm-hmm. can, can get your vote in for you. Oh wow! <laughs> okay, yeah. ah, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's kind of important, I think, and mm-hmm. and um, it it only just hit me that it's um, maybe is there some possible ways for fraud there, but uh, it's it's you have to show identity, and mm-hmm. um, so 
but with everything so um, like contested right now, and my mind is in America with like the post office and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm just now thinking that it's kind of yeah, it's it's pretty amazing that you can vote for for someone else. Like mm-hmm. the person will uh, of course give their own vote. You you don't mm-hmm. just give your vote away, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there are cases here in the Philippines where they find found out that uh, certain people who are already dead are still voting. So there are oh, those geez. kinds of yeah weird things. But I mean, so those are that that's the that's the um, situation here in the Philippines when it comes to elections. So uh, I'm not sure if um, if we are actually a a very representative uh, democratic republic with that kind of election system, but we, we, we just accept it. Wow. Like, and, and, but, um, okay. There's so much to unpack there. Um, like, <laughs> if, 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 would, would you, of course you would want to change something about that, but who, how, how do you even start changing something about that? Well, there are a lot of factors here in the Philippines um, when it comes to, you know, the politics, the political landscape here in the Philippines. For example, there are certain uh, people in power who are, uh, for example, they're, they're, the father is the governor and then the sons are the congressmen and the mother mm-hmm. is, the, you know, the senator. So there are, you know, the a dynasty we call it a dynasty a political dynasty where um it's fairly um normal to find the whole family as as part of uh the 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 government in certain provinces so i mean those kinds of things has to be uh changed and there are a lot of uh lawmakers who are pushing for that but there are also a large chunk of uh, the political uh, elites who do not uh, like that, um, mm-hmm. as understandably, because that would mean that they will that some of their family members will not be eligible to be elected to certain office. So there are a lot of, I mean, that's just the uh, the tip of the iceberg. So uh, I actually we're not sure how to how to really change things here. That's why uh, back in 2016, you were hoping that, um, you know, President Rodrigo Duterte was the one who would do that because he came uh, around during that uh, election year as some kind of uh, an outsider. You know, he came mm-hmm. from one of the provinces in the Philippines. He then came from one of the political dynasties. Um, and, you know, he was a mayor, actually. He was the mayor of Davao City. So that was uh, that's in the southern part of the Philippines. So he came out in 2016 as the outsider that uh, the political system was looking for. And there are a lot of Filipinos who really um, saw that he would change things. But apparently after four, uh, four years, uh, it's just more of the same. So... Yeah. So it's really hard for me uh, as someone who was really, you know, um, a participant in the political 
uh, campaigning to think of a way uh, or an outsider perspective on how to change the political landscape here in the Philippines. But so it's really complicated and I'm not sure I can give you a very satisfying answer to that question. I think this this answer is pre pretty satisfying um, because <laughs> no, I, I don't think someone has an answer. Maybe is there like a party that has it in a platform like the, um, um, the Philippines has? And um, do I say the Philippines have or the Philippines has? Um, the Philippines has has have okay. has yeah. The Philippines has, has. Right? Yeah. yeah yes. yes. Um, the Philippines has. Um, multiple parties, like not two, like in in the U.S., right? Um, yes. Correct. Are there are there parties who have uh, structural changes like this in their platform? Uh, the the multi-party system here in the Philippines is really more like a political action group. The way mm -hmm. it it functions in the U.S. So, for example, if you're a politician and you want to run for president, you can just create your own party just like that we don't talk about ideology we don't talk about what's your platform or whatever it's just we have political parties just to cater to certain uh, politicians so for example if uh, the the president uh, the current president has his own uh, political party i think it's i'm not sure it's it pdp laban i think the political party but when uh, his daughter wanted to run for an office. Her daughter actually created a different party. So, I mean, I think it's unthinkable to other countries, but it happens here in the Philippines because the political parties are not an institution. And I think that many people don't really understand what a party is supposed to do, unlike in the U.S. where, you know, both uh, the Republicans and the Democrats have a clear delineated um you know set of policies and platforms so um it's uh you know if you if you come here in the philippines you will understand how messy everything is so yeah i'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm trying to imagine what that mood must be like like as a citizen but that that must feel like um it feels almost to me like a sense of powerlessness. Like, uh, how are you going to effectively change anything if you can't do it from the bottom, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, every, it seems like to me what you're describing is that pretty much everything is coming from the top. You're going to use the party to get someone in office and then they're going to uh, make a decision for you. But you're never really sure what that decision is going to be. Or you have, do you really have to depend on that person? So, mm -hmm, yeah, um, yes, I think that's uh, fairly a correct uh, assumption. And I think um, if we could, oh, this is what I was thinking while I'm observing the U.S. political uh, system: is that we could really do with uh, a good party system. Um, I mean. Mm -hmm. Right now, the, the U.S. are have are struggling with the two-party system that they have because it doesn't open much. Uh, it doesn't have an opening for other sets of priorities. But I think that if we could only, if in the Philippines you can have like a two-party system like the U.S., 
I think things will be much clearer. Uh, the choice will be much more interesting for the Filipinos because right now mm -hmm. um, uh, a political party will be set up and then there's uh, there's someone who's running for president and then um, uh, most of us here in the Philippines will only base our um, choice by uh, the personality of the mm -hmm. politician. Unlike in the U.S. that you really have to ask questions about their stand on certain issues or their uh, plans for the economy or their stand on a woman's right to choose. So those kinds of things. Um, uh, but right now, if you would just see how we elect our president, it's all about, you know, um, is he did he answer that question did did his answer on that question go viral is it you know is it sensational uh, does he say things uh, does he say interesting things or does he have the charm or the charisma so we we often devolve uh, our discussion on our choices of the president on on those bases and and how but how do you um uh, but because I, I know you a little bit uh, in the meantime, and so I, I, I wonder, you must have an idea how you see yourself politically, like uh, if you were left or right leaning, uh, center, uh, what kinds of things interest you and you're politically active. So can you maybe tell me a little bit about how you would describe yourself politically? I think I, I took an exam on this. <laughs> There's an online... Uh, I'm not sure about where I found that uh, exam, an online uh, questionnaire. But after that, I think I came out as a pretty, you know, um, left-leaning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I just forgot what that means. But, well, I... I I support uh, marriage equality. I I support a woman's right to choose. Um, I think I'm also um, what else? Uh, yeah, I think I'm I'm pretty progressive ideolo uh, ideologically. Yes, I think uh, pretty left leaning. So yeah, yeah. I think that in the meantime the words. The words left and right are um, are losing their meaning a little bit, but mm -hmm. progressive makes a lot more sense, I think. And mm -hmm. uh, has being a member of Team Pete influenced that at all, or uh, did you see things clearer or not? Did 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 mm -hmm. nothing change? I think uh, I was I was really um, even before all the my observations on the U.S. elections came during the 2019, uh, around March. I think I can uh, concretely say that I am uh, a progressive and a liberal, even before uh, Team Pete came into my life. But um, yeah, as you say, after Team Pete, uh, after Team Pete I think uh, most of my views are more articulated. And I think that um, I came out from all the discussions and the debates that um yeah i'm i'm uh, uh pretty progressive and liberal on many issues and uh, yeah um 
And I think being part of Team Pit was an education on how to run a campaign. I think I was attracted to uh, follow uh, the campaign, not just because Pete was a very exceptional candidate, but because I saw competence, not just in him, but the way his campaign was run. So I have a high level of, uh, you know, respect for everyone who ran his campaign. Is there something in your own um, campaigning or your, your digital work that you will take from that? Yes, uh, definitely. So I actually, we were in the middle of an election campaign as well back in 2019 last year. And the main, yeah, and the main reason that I was, I got tuned in to the U.S. Uh, election was because I was looking for inspiration. So I was just browsing uh, YouTube and then one day the CNN town hall came came up so it was a bit a viral moment so that was the beginning for me and um, ever since I I just uh, realized that uh, there are a lot of uh, you know um, things that we can uh, develop when we are campaigning and uh, you know uh, Pete is a very uh, great candidate he was very articulate and you know he's a good communicator and that's really a gift for any um political operative or communications director who's, uh, you know, who's experienced a lot of other politicians who are not as uh, intellectually engaging as Pete. Yeah, 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 that's, that's true. And um, is, is there, um, like, I, I wonder, can you maybe tell me before I ask, uh, can you tell me a little bit about your digital work? Like what what uh, what it is you, that you do? Um, well, primarily, um, I work for a company who consults uh, politicians on their campaigns. So um, the way uh, campaigns are run here in the Philippines, so for example, you have your uh, senator. So that senator will set up his own campaigns team. So there's a campaign director who handles all the on-ground and all the... Uh, media buying but there will be a separate team for the communications team so the communications team uh, primarily handles the social media strategy and mm -hmm. um you know um the messaging on uh on certain commercials so that's how it's structured here in the philippines so what i was finally you know um obs obs I, what i what oh sorry how do you say that no worries. What I took from note what I took from uh, Pete's campaign is that there is they have a very more streamlined approach to campaigning. So mm -hmm. I think that's uh, that's really uh, interesting. And um, so there. So I was I'm part of the communications team. So we handle the social media. We also do the the videos and the commercials. And um, sometimes you also have a say on the messaging, but. Uh, the messaging primarily comes from the campaign uh, director or, you know, the upper levels of the campaigns. Uh, and sometimes uh, there will be, you know, focus group discussions or surveys. And then um, the the findings on those surveys and uh, FGDs will be relegated to us on the communications team. And then we will just, uh, you know... Um, cater our uh, outputs based on those uh, findings. 
So that's how we run, well, that's how we run our campaigns mostly. And um, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking because uh, a lot of um, campaigning um, in America, but also in the Netherlands, I don't know if the campaign in the Netherlands focus on it, but in, in America is also voter turnout for, let, for people to really turn out for your candidates. But apparently in the Philippines that, um, that already happens. So you can like f focus more on the message or is that incorrect to say? Um, yes, that's correct. You can focus more on the message or on your or your strategy or your positioning. So um, because uh, we we don't really you know um, have a problem with voter turnout, so so that was a given. So uh, we just uh, you know uh, we only have to worry about um, getting our message across or you know um, reaching as much people as we can. So, and the problem with the Philippines is that we have a lot of uh, islands and so most mm. of, uh, we have, I'm, I'm not sure how many dialects we have, but we have 100 plus, uh, you know, dialects apart from the okay. official uh, language in the Philippines. So we use English. English is also one of our uh, uh, national languages. So English and Filipino. Um, but we also have, you know, dialects from other regions. So we have Cebuano, we have Ilocano, we have um, uh, Ilongo. So you know, you have you also have to cater on those regions, and you have you sometimes have to uh, translate your uh, commercials, or sometimes you also have mm. to uh, completely make a different kind of campaign uh, depending on certain regions and. Uh, the the needs of those regions. So you also have to, uh, you know, um, shape your messaging based on uh, the areas where you are campaigning. And I was wondering if um, uh, during Pete's campaign, we saw a lot of um, like in-person campaigning and uh, getting uh, people around you uh, in your family and your friends um, interested and connected. Is, is that a thing? Uh, that you can do in the Philippines or is there maybe a, like a cultural thing where you say no I'm not going to talk with my mom and dad about politics mm. uh, well there are a lot of physical campaigning as well but mm. un unlike in the US where uh, they get to do uh, town halls on different uh, areas and some of the people can ask questions directly to the candidate. So here in the Philippines, it's more like, you know, you go on uh, certain parts and then you just, the, the politician will just talk and then just, you know, actually they just joke around. <laughs> they don't say much about their policies or their plans. So, you know, they, they just uh, entertain people. That's, that's uh, the extent that these uh, politicians campaign. And some it and they do it by their party. So sometimes, uh, certain politicians will have their own, uh, you know, campaign sorties. But uh, most of the time, it's the whole party. So if you have, you know, the president and then uh, the senator, the the senatorials in uh, in his party, so they will come along with you and you will uh, talk in front of people for hours. When it comes to, uh, you know, relational, you mean relational um, campaigning? Organizing, yeah, campaigning. Organizing, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not sure. There are certain uh, families who does that. And 
yeah, I distinctly remember uh, asking my mom who will about her list of ano, um, uh, candidates whom uh, she will vote uh, on that day. But uh, at, as I grow up, I just you know make my own list, I guess. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, um, I don't think that the Filipinos really care that much who in their family vote for uh, okay. in the election. So not sure. But it's not a non-issue either. Like it's a non-issue. We can't talk yeah. about like, politics or, um, uh, you know, there are things that are out of bounds. Like we don't talk about money. We don't talk about politics. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Filipinos are fairly non-confrontational. So, for example, here in the Philippines, um, there are a lot of people who are against President Duterte. So there are, I, I, I imagine there are a lot of families who are, who has uh, different opinions right now. So mm-hmm. I guess there are certain, you know, the children of, the children will vote for somebody else and their parents would stick to Duterte. So um, I think there are certainly conflicts on that. And I also have family members who will still vote for Duterte even though I won't. So, so yeah, I think, uh, I, I'm not sure if, families really fight over this i i don't think so <laughs> so yeah yeah i don't know uh, maybe it, it depends on personality too i'm i'm, I'm kind mm-hmm. of reflecting on how it how it is right here because um the netherlands is pretty polarized right now mm-hmm. and i guess i'm kind of lucky to be a part of a family who has always been kind of left-leaning um mm-hmm. so I, I don't have those discussions in my family, but I'm pretty opinionated. So um, I'm, I'm guessing that if if there uh, if I had people who were going to vote for a right or a far right party right now, I would search that discussion or maybe even get into a fight with them, um, which I think is partly very Dutch and it's a part of it is just also who I am. Um, so yeah, there's that. No. Um, how about the, does uh, does does the left and the right in the Netherlands talking about the same issues as the left and right uh, uh, part of? I mean, does do you have the same debates as they are they yeah. have in the US? Yes, and it's kind of scary how similar it is, um, and that this, this is one of the reasons that reasons that Trump has to go because you like see it dripping, dripping down to the Netherlands, and um, uh, one of our uh, far right parties has started their own uh, TV programming, or I, I think you can watch it on YouTube. I'm not sure. I mm-hmm. I, I didn't check any more than that. Uh, where they can make their like their own news, um, mm-hmm. and well, generally the, the thing is uh, um, the the left and the right. Um, they uh, of course a part of it is saying um, uh, the center and the establishment have to go because um, 
like um, uh, the economic situations for workers are not okay. Things have to change. Uh, the thing is that the the left, which is not, I, I can't really say that we have like a far, far left, um, but the left in the Netherlands is, um, is, is, is really thoughtful and, and uh, producing policy to make things better, where the right is pretty much saying people are taking your jobs. Like I'm, I'm cutting corners here, but that's uh, th that's kind of the gist of it. And <laughs> so, um, yeah, I I, th I think they're very very similar to what you can see in the U.S. right now. Mm -hmm, do, do, do you see this this kind of thing? Like maybe not parties, but uh, like this uh, views or uh, an undercurrent in the Philippines too. Um, definitely yes. Um, so for example, just recently, um, actually this happened during the pandemic. So um, the biggest TV network in the Philippines was shut down by um, the president's men. So you know okay. that. Many people are certainly bothered about that because that would en entail that the the government is uh, you know overreaching uh, yeah. his uh, influence. So you know we we have um, debates about this about the freedom of the press. You know the the independence of uh, private companies and you know um, so it's it's really you know um, when you say that. In the Netherlands, the right-wing party started to have their own TV network, and I think that's that's really uh, that's really smart of them, actually, because mm -hmm. that's the only way that um, they can win the uh, ideological, you know, battle. So here in the Philippines, even though uh, our ideologies aren't really that articulated, but I think that the way um, this uh, the Duterte administration has, um, you know, inflicted um, threats to the media. Um, it's really something that um, we have to be, you know, um, aware and afraid. So, so there's that, and uh, I'm I'm not sure what will be the political ramification of that in the next. A uh, few years, especially on the upcoming elections in 2022, but it would be a really uh, very, very different kind of atmosphere in 2022. Yeah, well, I, the, the same thing here. Like, we're going to vote next year, so campaigning mm -hmm. will start in the end of the fall, I think. Um, and and how many months do you do you do the official campaigning in the Netherlands? Well, I'm not sure. Like it feels like about six months. I think mm -hmm. uh, it may be less, but mm -hmm. it's certainly not more than that. And mm -hmm. there are uh, a couple of debates on television, um, but it's 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 pretty low key. And I hope that it will be a bit bigger and and people will get more interested and involved because our turnout is really 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 low so i just mm -hmm. i need all those people who don't vote to go out and vote <laughs> and not vote for a right-wing party uh, <laughs> yeah 
that is one of those things that um, getting involved in American politics, like not just uh, uh, Pete, but uh, from uh, to 2016 onward, um, it has made like, uh, before that I was like going through the motions and every four or two years you have to vote for something and then you do it and that's fine and that's it. And now I'm like, okay, no, I'm, I'm going to be sure I know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to convince people to vote for the party that I think they need to vote, they, they need to vote for. I already talked with my family, made sure that everyone is voting for that party. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, that has made me more uh, politically active. How about you? Does uh, the, the election of Donald Trump, did that do something with your uh, sense of, uh, well, political activity or, or what, things you want to do? Um, well, uh, for me personally, it's, it's going to be complicated because... Um, I mean, I would like, I would very much like to be politically active, but my job is yeah. uh, in political communication. So, and we're not sure yeah. who our candidate will be. Uh, so we have a company and our boss is the one who decides, you know. But yeah, um, I'm not really sure if there's, a, you know, an organized, uh, an organized uh a group who can uh, who can uh, out uh, message the current president. So uh, we will see, and I will be very much uh, interested to find out if uh, there will be uh, effects if the pandemic and the economic uh, crisis here in the Philippines will have an effect on voter, you know, behavior and mood. So we will yeah. find out. So let's talk about Pete a little more. You talked a little mm -hmm. bit about um, uh, seeing the, the CNN town hall and mm -hmm. uh, that sparked your interest. Can you tell me a little bit about after that? So like you were, who is this guy and, and what, what then? <laughs> yeah, so, okay. So I distinctly remember clicking that, uh, you know, uh, CNN town hall. And then there was this, you know, a youngish guy who's talking about was very uh, the, the first impression that I got from Pete was that he is so young and so articulated and he has a very nice voice so that was yeah. the first um the first uh thing that uh impressed me and then after that just like everybody else who saw that uh, CNN town hall I started to you know search for more interviews about this person so who is uh who is this mayor Pete and yeah. what how do you pronounce that? Uh, no, that that last name. So yeah, um, and it, he really shines on those interviews that I've I've seen him, and um, I've you know um, as a communicator, as I told you before, that as a communicator, a, a candidate like Pete is really a gift. You know, yeah. if if you can have a candidate who is that that authentic or as sincere sounding as Pete. You know, you have all the ingredients of a winning candidate, and mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's up to you to, to just, you know, uh, put him in front of, uh, um, the camera or an interviewer, and the work just, uh, and it just happens, you know. So that was my first, and then after that, I think I've, 
I'm not sure if this happens to you as well, but you know, for several weeks, I think I binge watched a lot of his interviews yeah. and the appearances. Yes. And then I started to follow. And then I started to be active on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then and then that's where I found out that there are uh, surprisingly a lot of international, uh, you know, following uh, to this yeah. candidate. And that, and that speaks a lot to the universality of uh, Pete's uh, message that it can, uh, you know, resonate to a lot of people in different parts of the world. So, yeah. yeah. And so, and what, uh, what about Pete um, do you think is, um, is, is there something f- f- from Pete or his platform, whatever you want that, could be needed in uh, a Philippine, Philippine or Filipino government. I don't know. Um, you can call it the Philippine government. You can also call okay. it Filipino government. So both are correct. Um, sorry, okay. the question is what? what sorry, what, uh, can you? What Pete, like Pete's personality or his ideas, or maybe mm-hmm. uh, what? What would be? What would you if you could take something? Uh, what would you put into your own government? Mm, I think um, uh, I think what is sorely needed in our, in our situation here in the Philippines is someone who is really a policy wonk because I don't mm-hmm. think anyone in the government is really competent or uh, really you know skilled in communicating their policies. Nobody is like that. If you can, uh, sorry, I'm not sure if a friend of mine will hear this, but. <laughs> Okay, anyway, I will just say it. <laughs> the president <laughs> spokesperson, the, the president just just think of this. So the president spokesperson is really, you know, the way he talks about certain things is not, you know, it doesn't really reflect the kind of words that you can you, you should be hearing mm. from the government. So for example, yeah. so just recently, uh the presidential spokesperson said that he's actually glad that only 45% of Filipinos are unemployed despite almost four months of lockdown. He actually said that they are glad that it's not 100%. That came out from the mouth of the president's spokesperson. So, you know, um, there are a lot of other instances like that. And, you know, we're, we're already on five months already of lockdown here in the Philippines. But, you, I am yet to see a complete, you know, communications on how the government will um, handle the the uh, the effects of the pandemic in the economy, in the lives of people. So, you know, we, we just end up, you know, the rhetoric of the government is always about. You know, let's just wait for the vaccine. Let's just wait for actually Russia to to finish their clinical trials, and then we'll get first dibs on mm. the vaccine. So that's the way they communicate uh, their policies and their ideas and opinions. So um, it's not uh, um, the the Filipinos have been suffering for a long time, and I think we we owe something from the government to give us assurances that they have this under control. But as I've given you an example, that's the way the presidential spokesperson uh, has been communicating this. So it's, it's not, I, I, we don't have a positive outlook on this actually. So, yeah. So I, I really envy the U S for having someone like Pete because he's eloquent, disciplined and, you know, 
pizza dream boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But it's just it's not just him because yeah, he's he's a, the master communicator, but he also had uh, a campaign that was really good at messaging. So mm -hmm. um, he 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 also knew how to attract the right people or to hire the right people to to do that message messaging right yes 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 and i think the only time that i i you know the only time that i saw that they were having a problem was with their black outreach which happened mm. uh after that shooting in south bend so i i i woke up to that news actually and i thought oh my god this is this will test uh, his campaign and as it turns out well he did the right thing actually but yeah. the right thing well actually that's the that's the 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 thing that i really like the way pete handled that because other politicians will just you know he wouldn't allow any press to you know yeah. show him being berated by his uh, constituents but he did that because he knows it's the right thing but mm. as i said it, um, the campaign suffered uh, enormously after that, but I think it speaks a lot to Pete's um, integrity that he doesn't care if if the media will will you know make a mess of what happened um, because he knows it's the right thing. So I think um, uh, more uh, more politicians should be like that, or more. I mean. Uh, a pub public serve uh, public as a public servant that is uh, you owe it to the people to be uh, you know uh, authentic like Pete uh, in that situation. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I th I think I uh, uh, read an article quite recently, and I'm not sure if it was an interview with Pete. I think so um, mm -hmm. about the, the the black outreach. And um, and that uh, it, it really was also um, a, a campaign uh, a problem. Like uh, yes, of course, it's also because he um, uh, he lacked like history, like Biden had, and uh, they had to uh, start from scratch and everything. But um, it ended with I don't know. I've, I have to search for the article. It ended with like. If um, if we'd had another six months, uh, then um, maybe there, there would have been time to reflect on this, but there wasn't. Um, mm -hmm. But um, the person who it was, if it was Pete, I don't know, really um, also laid the blame on their own campaign. So that's I think it's necessary. You need to... Uh, reflect on what was not just what is right and what is wrong but what was right and wrong about what the, the actions that you took as a campaign so um mm -hmm. yeah yeah so tell me um if uh, we're, we're going to an alternate universe right now and uh, Pete <laughs> is going to be, pete's going to be president in january 2021 um mm -hmm. how would that influence the philippines Oh yeah. Okay. So unlike other, unlike many of his uh, Democratic rivals during the past uh, election cycle in the U.S., um, he often talks about the China challenge, and that's actually something that I'm really interested in. So, you know, for someone who is not really formally engaged in foreign relations, uh, mm -hmm. I think Pete became the foreign policy guy 
yeah. during the past ano, um, campaign. Um, and China really is strong arming many con- Asian countries. And there are a lot of territorial disputes in the Pacific. And we are actually um, losing the battle. So I'm so happy to hear that Pete believes that apart from China's economic power, you know, it is their use of technology, as he says, uh, to perfect dictatorship that is uh, really troubling. So I think Pete mm. really uh, concisely described how China is, uh, you know, operating right now. You know, without a powerful ally in the U.S., we cannot really stand up to China at all. Uh, and it's frustrating here, especially in Asia, that the U.S. has, you know, you know, U.S. apparently doesn't care anymore about uh their Asian allies. So, you know, we used to joke about how President Duterte have sold us out to China, actually, that we are now a province of China. So, and then, and I think no one's laughing these days anymore. So I, I think that's, um, if if Pete had been uh, the Democratic uh, nominee and the one who will be the next U.S. president, I think um, his strong uh, stand on the China challenge will be very beneficial for us. What what kind of um, things do you see, uh, or what, what can you tell me a bit about the consequences uh, for the Philippi- Philippines um, uh, because of uh, China right now? Like um, economics or politics, or what? What, what do you what What do you see around you? Um, well, there are a lot of you know there we have this territorial disputes with China right now. So there are certain uh, islands that they are, you know, saying that historically it's theirs, but it's, uh, you know, it's a nightmare for both countries. But, you know, the Philippines is a small country. We are, you know, our economy is not as big as China. So we don't have any, you know, leverage or power over um, how to uh, negotiate this problem. And we depend on the U.S. to help us uh, yeah. in these kinds of disputes. But because the U.S. have, uh, you know, decided that they don't, they, they'd rather have uh, their own, you know, the the U.S. first, uh, what you America first policy. Yeah, yeah, that they don't really care about the rest of the world. So it's, it's really, um, it's really frustrating and it's, uh, and to think that we've been an ally of the U.S. for a long time, for several decades now, mm-hmm. and we've backed them for several, you know, wars. And then when it when the time came that we really need their help, so they're not there. So it's really um, you you can't uh, you can't blame some Filipinos for you know hating the U.S. because they have that kind of. Uh, um, attitude towards the Philippines. So, yeah. yeah, that's 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 kind of sad, but it's it's understandable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How how is um uh how is uh your government handling the coronavirus? Like I heard you say, lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're yeah. still on, on lockdown everywhere. Um, I, I, like, can you sit, tell me a little bit about how it is in the country as a whole and how your situation is? Um, okay, so since March, 
So it started in March, back in, you know, the, in mid-March. We had our lockdown, quarantine, so everybody stays at home. And then that lasted for, I think, a month. And then, I mean, two months. I think that's two months. It lasted for two months. So apart from essential workers, all other, you know, all other operations or other jobs um, are, you know, they are... You can't go out of your house. You can't. You can't go to your job. You just work from home. And then the schools are closed, and most of the only thing that are open are the groceries, the uh, essential uh, functions in in the city. But after two months, we opened up actually. So there are certain um, facilities and restaurants who are open, but the number of infected people started rising again. Mm. So after I think opening up for two weeks or a month, we we had another lockdown. And then after, I think after two weeks again, we opened up again. So if you can see the pattern there, there really isn't anything, you know, concrete. What what are we doing? Why are we opening and then closing again and then opening again? So th- those are the questions that really nag uh, nag the Philippine government right now. So they it it just shows that they really don't have a systematic approach in um, handling the coronavirus uh, pandemic and. I think I read somewhere that the health department actually are having a hard time or struggling with, you know, co- contact tracing. So if we can't have a contact tracing, an effective contact tracing, and we still don't have a vaccine, um, nobody is doing mass testing, actually. So, I mean, what are we doing? Oh, yeah. Where are we going with this? So let, let's just say that, okay, the the... The brief answer is they're not doing a good job right now. Yeah, I, I was going to ask, can you compare it to the U.S.? But the, the mm. short answer to that would be they're both not handling the the the, yeah. the thing, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. But the difference is Filipinos are more obedient when it comes to you know mm. what the government uh, says. So when the government says stay at home, stay at home, Filipinos stay at home. When the government said you have to wear a mask. Filipinos wear masks. If the go- when the government said you have, to, you also have to wear face shield when you go out of your house, and Filipinos, you know, they, they do it. And I mean, you know, in the U.S., <laughs> I'm not sure what's happening over there. That the the simple fact of wearing a mask is such a big deal. So, but then again, even though the Filipinos are doing their part. In this pandemic, um, it's it didn't guarantee that things will, you know, subside. So, um, I it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking about the situation in the Netherlands, and and mm-hmm. um, this is one of those things where you see America's influence too. Like you see mm-hmm. a lot of con- conspiracy thinking in the Netherlands mm-hmm. too and uh, our government wanting to control us. And a a part of that is typically Dutch, like you're going to give me a rule, then I'm not going to obey. But Mm -hmm. part of it is really um, also 
the, the conspiracy thing, you know, a worldwide hoax uh, uh, and things like that. So, um, yeah, and, and, and I can't really say that I like the way that our government is handling things. And at the same time, I also know that um, it's a big problem and, and governing isn't easy. And there mm-hmm. also there are things that they have done well. So uh, it's 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 kind of nuanced. Like if I had to give, uh, uh, I like I'm a teacher. I I'd like to, I like mm-hmm. to give a number to something. It's so like from mm-hmm. zero to ten, I'd say six. They're go- doing okay-ish <laughs> or something. Okay-ish, but, yeah. Yeah, but a lot of Dutch people are just not wearing any face masks anymore, not uh, social social distancing. Um, it's um, where we have we have places where we have like screens and stuff like that. But if I go grocery shopping, I really have to look some people in the eye to make them back up because they're in my space. <laughs> So mm-hmm. that's that's kind of how it is in the Netherlands too. So, mm-hmm. but how about uh, the infection rate? I mean, how many people are infected every day? Uh, well, it's climbing again. I don't know the exact numbers, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. it's been steadily climbing like the last weeks again, and mm-hmm. so that that's one of the things that. Um, scares me for my work too because I uh, just started again last week and I'm going to start starting start with my teaching this week mm-hmm. and um, I'm expecting to to have to go back to um, uh, online teaching again uh, mm-hmm. and, but we don't know maybe not and so you're like preparing to uh, two kinds of teaching at the same time and um yeah, it's, it's stressful. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And are you working from home? Uh, yes, I work from home. Do you so, always work from home or are you working from home right now? I'm working from home. But actually, it's a, lit, a little bit complicated on my part because my home is actually just a few walks away from my work. So, mm. it's like I always still go to my physical work every day so okay yeah but it's just very close yes yes um so i um i let every guest uh uh, choose something they've read or seen that reminds them of Mm -hmm. pete do you have a quote or a song text or anything else that reminds you of him um well okay so i have a favorite author so i'm not sure if you're familiar with uh terry pratchett Yes, of course. Yeah. Ah, okay, so if you're familiar with Terry Pratchett, so there there is a character from the Discworld series that was, uh, you know, really like spot on. That's that's Pete for me. So it's. Have you read the the Watch series? No, no, no. Okay, so there was this character that uh, they call Carrot. So uh, the way that Terry Pratchett described him is like this. So. Carrot often struck people as simple, and he was. Where people went wrong was thinking that simple meant the same thing as stupid. So, you know, uh, I'm I'm not saying that people think that Pete is stupid, but um, there is there is a certain kind of you know simplicity in Pete. Yeah. So, and I think um, most people 
would think that oh yeah he's just you know a nice and kind person but uh, to be that kind and uh and generous and simple you really have to have a very uh deep foundation you know yeah and i think that pete was uh someone who's really thoughtful who's think things through he really you know before he ran for president he really thought about uh, all the ideas that he would uh, champion during the campaigns and um i think that yeah um that really reflects much of uh pete yeah i sometimes think about like his his parents did such an amazing job like he is well maybe he's not unflappable but he seems unflappable and he has such a, a gift for not taking stuff personally and i guess that's part of being a politician but mm. like you there are not um, enough politicians who you can see taking things a bit too serious uh, uh, personally and mm -hmm, yes. you you just it, it it just doesn't matter what someone throws at him he will mm -hmm. he will just take it at face value and and just connect with the person and talk about what they just said and that's that's i don't even know how i get too um uh, too angry too quickly mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah. with you? like is is uh, what kind of thing do you admire about that that you would like to have yourself oh yeah certainly i think that's uh pete's unflappable uh unflappability is that how we call it yeah i think i would like yeah. to have that because i'm the kind of person who worry too much and you know react uh quickly when things are yeah. not going my way so i really would like to have that kind of quality in me and perhaps maybe that kind of you know service oriented the way you would just offer yourself to other people so i think that um, both pete and chasen are have really offered themselves up to other people yeah. and i think that uh, that's uh, that's really hard um it takes a lot of you know courage to be that kind of person and i don't think i have that uh, kind of you know um bravery or courage in me to do that and i mean i can only admire it from afar so mm. yeah yeah i i uh, there was a time like where i was thinking oh i want to be that way and i need to be that way mm -hmm. but i'm just i'm just not um yeah but I, I do admire it and i i kind of try to take it as an example uh, without wanting to uh, change myself because I will never mm -hmm. be that person. Yeah. So, so is there anything, I, I want to go to the last part, like uh, a quick answer round, but is there anything that, that we need to talk about that we didn't talk about, do you think? Um, I think that's, mm, that's okay. Yeah, I think yeah. we've uh, covered a lot of uh, topics already. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, so tell me, um, uh, uh, what is uh, this? Is my my quick answer round, right? Mm -hmm. um, okay. I know you. You. What I see from you on Twitter are um, uh, two things. Uh, I see, and I think it's anime, but I'm not yeah. sure. It. Yeah, it's it's anime, right? What yes. kind of anime <laughs> series should everyone? Is is there one that everyone should watch? Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not sure if this is, if you're not an anime fan before, so I think this would come as uh, a bit of too far there <laughs> to even <laughs> suggest right now, but um, there's, um, there's a series back in um, 1989, I think. It's an old anime. It's called Legends of the Galactic Heroes. <laughs> Sorry, mm -hmm. um, it really sounds weird, or I mean, it really sounds, no. you know, nerdy, because you know, Legends of the Galactic Heroes. But like, it's actually about it's actually about democracy, and oh, uh, really? yeah, and it's uh, I was watching, I was also watching that last year, so I just discovered it last year actually, uh, and there's a lot of parallel uh, with what was happening in that anime and what's happening right now in the world so i think it's worth everybody's time to watch that it's 110 episodes um one episode wow. is just 25 yeah it's just 25 minutes the first the, the per episode so it's going to be a pretty quick uh watch uh relatively i, I guess for me and uh, you know it's about uh the plot of that animes uh there's in the near in in the future um, there are going to be two factions of humanity who has gone to the stars. So mm -hmm. one is a democratic, uh, the democratic alliance. Ah, uh, no, the Free Planets Alliance. So that's what they call themselves. They are democracy. So they they have president, they have representatives. So they fairly function as a democracy. And on the other side of the galaxy, there's the Galactic Empire. So there's the monarchy. Mm -hmm. They have a king and they have the ministers. And the primary debate that was going on in that anime is that the democratic uh, uh, planets actually are not functioning well because the politicians are actually corrupt and they only have, you know, what's happening right now. So exactly that. Mm. And then uh, the monarchy has this leader who is actually a benevolent dictator. So the, the, the debate is, is it is a democratic form of government with corrupt politicians better than a monarchy that has a very that has a benevolent dictator so that's the mm -hmm. that's the dilemma of that show and yeah i think it's uh it's uh, really timely to watch and relevant if if someone wants to watch this where can they watch this like on youtube oh wait wait i only f saw it on uh some very some not very legal <laughs> platform so i'm not sure um i think they have it on crunchyroll I, i'm not sure huh but they have a remake so i think it's on crunchyroll so if you can find out the remake one uh it's it's currently on crunchyroll yeah okay awesome so what is 
be but because you love plants right is this mm-hmm. is something yeah. that i know <laughs> but maybe not everyone who is listening knows what is yeah. the plant that everyone needs to have if you can give uh, a recommendation i'm not sure so i think it depends on which part of the world you are mm-hmm. but if you are like me who lives in the city and doesn't have much you know um outdoor or gardening so maybe uh, you can try more of the indoor type plants so for example i have a fern here on my table so ferns are really you know low maintenance <laughs> so i guess i'll just yeah. uh suggest that you have a fern on your <laughs> table or inside your house it's easy they don't you don't need to care for them so much I need a fern. No, I'm not going yeah. to buy any plants because my cats are are inside oh, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. eating them all the time. But yes, a yes. fern. Everyone who's listening, buy a fern. Yes. So, uh, last <laughs> question. Um, we're having a, a Pete um, at international team Pete potluck. What are you bringing? Okay. Uh, hmm. Mm-hmm. Adobo. I'll bring adobo. Yeah. I think it's. Uh, even Western taste would like it. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll bring a dog. For anyone listening who is not uh, familiar, what, uh, what, what is it? Oh, it's like uh, stew, beef stew, mm-hmm. something like that. So, yeah. Uh, but the way Filipinos cook it is that they put some sugar in it. So, it's a bit uh, sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh, this, this, yeah. uh, this sounds kind of nice. So... <laughs> thank you very much for this conversation yes. and oh my God, um, yes. um, hope to um, to connect uh, sometime maybe with international team Pete over a zoom mm-hmm. or something and um, yes. please, please stay safe yes you too and thank you, you so too. much for having me and um, I will definitely make time to show up at one of our uh, team Pete international zooms Awesome. Looking forward to it. All right. See you soon. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. I think this was a fantastic way to finish the first season of this podcast. What about you? Kokai, thank you so much for this conversation. As with the other ones, I feel I could have talked for hours. Every single thing we talked about could have been unpacked in its own podcast. I was honored to have you on. For everyone listening, I will add to the episode notes some links to a place where you can find uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, a recipe for adobo, and the book Men at Arms by Terry Pratchett, where the following quote in the episode came from. Carrot often struck people as simple. Where people went wrong was thinking that simple meant the same thing as stupid. And here it is. The last words of the last episode of the first season. I have my thoughts about upcoming seasons. First of all, there will definitely be um, more seasons. But I might mix up these interviews with something different which has not been thought out yet. I would love to hear what you thought of this season, so if you'd leave a comment in the voicemail option in the Anchor app, I would love that. Until next time, stay safe, call your mom, and let hate sit alone.